Hello, everyone, for another, it's uh, not an episode, but another interview or a conversation in uh, the polyvagal uh, theories uh, series that I'm uh, putting on. And I'm super excited today because uh, I have with me uh, Mona de la Hockey. Um, Mona is um, a licensed clinical psychologist and mother who has cared for children and their families for more than three decades. And Wuna has, uh, you know, the author of Beyond Behavior, and um, her most recent book is uh, Brain Body Parenting. I'm super thrilled to have you, Mona, here with me. And I want to thank you so much for Beyond Behavior. It was my introduction for polyvagal theory. And I think in, in, in a bit of few years, my kids can thank you as well, because <laughs> I have become a better parent by really understanding, you know, this work and how really to look at what is happening with our kids, not focus on the behavior, which is completely a different paradigm what I have felt. So that's a very heartfelt thank you. And I'm sure yeah. um, everyone I've talked to, I've always bring up beyond behavior because it it's really, um, it illustrates what is really important and mm. we miss that uh in a lot of uh, our parenting well thank you for such a lovely introduction uh, manal and i'm i'm thrilled that the books um especially beyond behaviors resonated with you and it it's so big like this whole different universe of talking about how we understand ourselves and how we understand our children opens up so many doors. So I'm thrilled you're talking about it. I'm thrilled it helped you feel um, more equipped and maybe um, that you got this parenting thing, you know, a little bit easier than you might have without the information. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think it's one of the biggest thing is it's who we are and what we are, what we are doing as parents. Uh, and after, of course, looking at uh, uh, reading the book and looking at all the incidents and how we code regulate and we co dysregulate. Yes. And, you know, uh, it's just like, oh my goodness, I, I, I went to the whole, you know, <laughs> so many experiences that I looked at it. And thankfully, with the nervous system perspective, I, that guilt and shame was not as intense because I didn't know. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I didn't have this information. Mm. It's something that I don't have control of then. And yeah. I did what I could do. So that was a very uh, lovely thing. Uh, you begin brain body parenting with what mm. I feel is one of the most important things that we, as parents, we need to understand is personalizing our parenting. So mm. give us a brief on what do you mean by that? Um, it's not a clear cut one, two, three steps. Yes, yes, yes. So personalizing, another word we might uh, use is customizing our parenting. Mm -hmm. So a lot of advice um, in the way we're, we think about parenting is that you have different rules or different um, concepts. So you should do this when your child does that. And those rules are made for, you know, kind of more a generic idea 
like all children need this and all parents should say that, that, and this is the script that you might use in a certain situation. That's not to say that sometimes a useful script can be helpful, but the big idea is that we customize how we are interacting with our children based on the child. So based on um, that child's brain and body. So just think about like, if you go to, um, you know, have you ever been to Chipotle? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a restaurant where you can choose your, the different things you want to put on your, on your um, burrito, you know, and, and everyone has, they want one scoop of this and a little scoop of rice and more beans or no onions and, and extra cheese. Everybody has their own like preferences and our children are no different. They have these brains and bodies, what we call a nervous system um, that require different things from us at different times. And when we look at the child rather than the rule, then we have this roadmap that is much more rich. And also um, that's, personalized or customized to our child, not to some ge general idea or rule. Okay. And, um, and it makes it more relational. And um, that's, uh, I, one, one word I, I was in you to me was neuro-relational framework. And mm. I, you know, yeah. it, can you explain a little bit about that? And maybe we could then go into, you know, beyond behavior and the three kind of pathways or the, the, the green, red, and blue. Mm. Uh, so if anyone listening to this for the first time, they can have an understanding of what that is. Of what that is. Great. Yes. The neuro-relational framework. This is such a great, um, it's such a great phrase. And actually it was coined by, um, a, a researcher, a therapist, um, Dr. Connie Lillis. And she called this big framework of looking at um, children more holistically, looking at our uh, humans more holistically, the neuro-relational framework, uh, because number one, we are always communicating through our relationships. All development happens through the relational modality, right? Little babies Everything that happens to them has to do with our relationship. Yeah, they can't take care of themselves. So every the the what, what I like to say is the vehicle that drives all development forward towards health is relationships. And then the neuro part is that we are always as humans communicating from one nervous system to the next. So our brains are always communicating on a verbal level, but also on a like subconscious level too, because um, there have been studies uh, show that show that emotions are contagious. So if a child, um, if, if we see our child or a child sees another child having an emotion that can spread. And so we have to understand that it's the relationship and the brain's and the bodies communicating in real time. Um, it's just a very holistic framework, a way to think about how we interact with our children and 
how we interpret their behaviors and their emo and their emotional tone. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because um, that's what, at least for me personally, it wasn't what I was uh, paying attention to. We, mm -hmm. uh, I think, when we focus on the verbal cue, uh, verbal kind of instructions or orders, like, okay, you know what, D be quiet, do this, and you know, many times if uh, their orders, or even if it's something less uh, ordery, <laughs> if that's a word. But when we are, when I am in a kind of a sympathetic or kind of anxious space, yeah. I did not realize that what my children are picking mm -hmm. up is not what I'm saying. My saying, what I'm with the words I'm saying is mm. just like, does not exist. They're picking yes. up on my anxiety, my mm. passion, and because they're young, they don't know what to do with it. They become anxious and they start acting up. And then mm. we have this unfortunate, you know, escalation of, you know, all of that. And unfortunately, many times it's, it's put on the, um, the child, like, oh, the child is misbehaving, but mm. the child was misbehaving because their sense of safety or anxiousness is, is, is their sense of safety is not there. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's not that a parent, it's not that we're trying to make our kids anxious, right? We have the best intentions. This is something that is, is kind of something that we don't really think about as our, what we call our physiological state or our nervous system, our autonomic or automatic nervous system, how deeply that impacts other people. But many of us, you know, we don't, we, we haven't thought about it that way. Exactly. And that's why I um, used uh, the polyvagal theory as one of the theories in my uh, conceptualization of, of um, behaviors as only the tip of the iceberg, right? <laughs> that, that the behaviors are the signals, very useful signals of um, what's happening inside a person's body really feeding up information to the brain and that we should move away from behaviors as the target of our interventions or parenting and view them as these beautiful signals that helps us un understand ourselves and our children better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that, that iceberg uh, in beyond behavior and, and I've used it actually, cause I did um, uh, parenting, uh, coaching for, for some time. And, uh, and I've always used that. It's, uh, and unfortunately, every, that's what we most think of. So can you, sure. can you take us through the, the different kind of pathways or different, um, states in, in, and you make it very easy. And I love that, that it's very accessible. It's like green, blue, and red. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> we don't have to use big scientific words. Um, we can, although it's interesting that these colors are kind of a uh, model for representing the autonomic nervous system. You don't even have to remember that. We yeah. just, just think about, about your brain and body, your brain and body, because we're never just a head or a body. We're always both. So yeah, the colors are really useful. And, um, again, these were, uh, these colors were suggested, um, by a colleague of mine, Dr. Lillis, who, who associated these colors with different states or pathways of our nervous system. So 
really quick, there are three. I'll start with green. Mm -hmm. The green pathway is where a human is feeling calm inside. <clears throat> you are feeling safe generally. And by safe, I don't mean just like in your head safe, but your body feels comfortable. <clears throat> and you're, 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 <clears throat> you're sensing um, a, sa a safe state inside your body. So you're, you're, you're sensing that you're not needing to fight or leave a situation, but you're ready for interacting. You're ready for play, for conversations, for learning. Um, so that green pathway, you can, you can look at a child's, um, or your own, uh, features such as how fast or slow the body's moving. If you're pretty much, if your body is not, um, kind of compelled to move really fast and you have kind of the look on your face that suggests that you are in a state of calm and it could be different, different looks for different people. Um, but you know, your, your body is kind of in a place where it is relaxed and you're available for social communication. That's why Dr. Porges calls it the social engagement system. So green is like a green light. This is where we can ask our children to stretch and to, you know, maybe to learn something new. This is where children um, are in, uh, want to play and, and or have a good time. So, and that's when adults um, feel most in control. That's when we're at our best is when we're in that green ventral vagal pathway. We, uh, when we remember all the good things that we uh, we read about in other <laughs> books and and what we need to be doing and all the the good stuff. Yes, and and really find a way to do the things that we really what matters to us. We pay attention to those. Those are the times that um, and I think with uh, getting to know that pathway or that state for ourselves as parents, what makes us oh. yeah. And to get to know our kids of like, oh, okay, so this is the time when I want to start like a, a big topic or, 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 or say, oh, maybe you should watch less, you know. Yes, make yeah. an ask. That's <laughs> uncomfortable. Yes, this is when I want to do it. And yes, because um, the other two pathways, which, which are there for a very good reason, yes. uh, are not the place when our kids or us would be more receptive. A hundred percent. So when you feel, if you've ever felt yourself start to not feel so good inside, like let's just say like inside your, your heart might start to be a, a little faster or you feel sweaty and you're, you're all of a sudden feeling like maybe either anxious or you need to move or you need to say something really fast or yell. Um, or you observe your child having a reaction where all of a sudden they're not calm in their body, but the main feature is that their body is moving. Maybe they are running away from you. Maybe they're kicking or hitting or spitting um, or screaming. Uh, maybe the look on their face is that their eyes are squinted or their eyes are big, wide open, looking all over the room. The main sense is that the body is not feeling calm and what we call regulated. It is feeling like it has to protect itself. 
This is subconscious, meaning the child is not planning it. But as we say, the the tantrum throws the child. The child doesn't throw the tantrum. This is a this is a nervous system driven pathway that is designed to help us get back to the green. Yeah. And and that's kind of uh, a, a new way of looking at this red pathway, which is this is now the red. And this red we can think of as protective to the nervous system and not intentional misbehavior. So we now have a new way of looking at a child who is doing something that we consider a challenging behavior, a miss, you know, a, a behavior that's that we don't want, right? That is not necessarily great. Like if, of course, if they're, um, you know, kicking and we have to keep everybody safe, but we can view these red pathway behaviors through a compassionate lens because we can now see them as part of the human stress response. Yeah. It's like and when they are, when they storm out of the room and they go into their room and slam the door. Yes, yes, and it's really hard not to take that personally, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, it's you know painful as a parent, but you can think you can see that, especially if it happened very fast, and you know all of a sudden they need to escape us. Um, think about it as oh something has triggered a stress response. And we don't necessarily have to take it personally, like, uh-oh, what did I do wrong? But we can be come at it with curiosity and with, with reflection and, and observation, awareness, like, wow, something triggered that child's, what we call uh, stress detection mm-hmm. system to, to feel uncomfortable to detect some level of threat. It's not what we did to them. It's how their body is reacting to that input. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. And and yeah, this door slamming, it, I, it took me a long time not to really disattach that, you know, <laughs> what we see as kind of a disrespect or, or attach meaning to it. So it's like, yeah, it's it's wanting to move things very fast, and that's that's what it is. And it also reminded me of the many times that ha- that happened in the past, and what I did is storm back into the room and gave mm-hmm. a big, nice lecture of <laughs> that that <laughs> thing worse. So it just <laughs> that not you know because I know that this happens with every parent that you know of all of that, and and we really. At that time, we think that we are doing the right thing. We are trying to, of course, when that happens, we get into, um, you know, we get that kind of reaction in our system as well. So we're also moving out. But in time, we get to you to, to come back to understanding that we are the parent and we are the adult. And maybe we mm. can take a breath yes. and take time to say, okay, you know what? You know, as long as there is no danger to their life. Yes. They could, you know, stay in. And once I started doing that, um, you know, with my kids, like, oh, yeah, this makes so much more sense. This is Mm. more productive for everyone. Mm. And but it's it's it feels hard because it goes against what we 
learning, controlling kids' behavior, how to discipline a child and yeah. all those things, um, you know, things that, you know, wanting to reason with child. Yes, yes. And it does. And it may not, this type of response to, um, you know, running away or slamming a door, we may not have had a response of curiosity and and giving this child some space and the benefit of the doubt as what in our own childhoods. Yeah. So from our what we call our working model, our internal model of in our mind of what that means could signal um, as as good parents as we are, we all are trying to do the best we can. I believe that we're all doing the best we can with the resources we have to try to run in there and correct the situation, to teach them a lesson really fast, to let them know, you know, what they did wrong and how they can make it better. That's an urge that I completely, I completely understand. And, and we can also expand now to think about, again, the behavior is not as the target, but as the signal. And then we become more curious and maybe it could also help the parent feel less anxious and maybe less activated, I should say, because sometimes if we code that behavior as disrespect, as um, not using their words to solve a problem, all these things we have in our mind, like you, you, you did something wrong. If we if we change the le- the lens, if we shift the lens to kind of this compassionate. Um, deeper understanding of behaviors, it really helps also uh, take some of the pressure, I think, away from the parent of that. You don't have to have a teaching moment every time your child gets out of control. (laughs) (laughs) It won't really work anyway. (laughs) I I, I remember that exact, you know, kind of uh, sentence. One of my friends, she she looked at me, she said, Manal, not every moment should be a teaching moment. Just let Mm -hmm. it go. And I think, uh, with all our, you know, best effort in trying to do the right thing. Uh, yeah. and the- yes. And, and we have to give ourselves such credit for how big a responsibility parenting is and how hard we want to get it right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we really want to get it right and we want to do it right. And, and many of us, um, were trained in more of a model of you have to, deal with the behavior as it happens and help the child um, shift the behavior to something more positive or help them understand why they made a bad choice. That's kind of our urge is to help the child with these methods that are now kind of looking like they're a little outdated. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. So then we, we have the blue, blue stand. We have the blue. So Yeah. So um, think about your own experience. And sometimes you're feeling calm and really like your parenting mojo is right there. You're doing a great job parenting. And then other times we can just get triggered into our own red state as our child can. Like we're just like not um, solidly in our bodies and calm. And then there's this other main pathway um, that is described as that I call the blue pathway. And in that pathway, there is the need on the part of the nervous system to kind of conserve energy. 
So there's less movement rather than more. The child may appear to be, um, or you may feel disconnected from other people, kind of uh, in a in a in a in a place where you don't want to communicate. You're not playful. You may isolate. Children may um, kind of uh, be on the edges and and looking at other children, or maybe even turning away and not wanting to play and holding um, a lot of this kind of lack of energy. And to, I, I guess I should clarify that these, these, these theorized pathways, we all go through the red, the blue, and the green throughout the day because they are, they are designed, you know, our nervous system is designed to manage stress, to handle changes, and to use these different um, pathways to survive and thrive. So we're not going to be worried about a child who gets kind of quiet and disconnected for an hour, you know, or is or has these big spikes because those are natural. Those are part of being human. As we as we gain our our social and emotional development over time, and each person is on their own timetable, we learn strategies to help calm ourselves and regulate ourselves. That's called self-regulation. Um, but these are these pathways we would not want to be, I, I don't want parents to worry about um, if you see all these different colors throughout the day, because those are very, th those are expected. But if your child or yourself um, feel like you're living in one of these, like if you're in a blue uh, pathway for days or weeks or months when you're really feeling or your child is not wanting to play. It looks like they're tired. First of all, you know, I would find out, have a meeting with the pediatrician and making, make sure that they're, that they, that there's nothing going on from a, um, you know, from a medical standpoint, but um, so think about these pathways as flexible and um and part of the human experience and then when we might want to seek support or or get a consultation is if you have a child who is in the red like 80% of the day for months and months or if they are very in in the blue again 70 80% of the day for weeks and months then we want to wonder why. We just want to think about that. But other than that, these, these are, this is just a fun way of kind of tracking um, your nervous system. And I'll, I will also say that there are uh, blended states. So there are combo like uh, combo zone like red and blue could be a hypervigilant child. So uh, we can play around with those. The science is... Um, there, there are researchers looking at all this, and it's very interesting science. But for us parents, I think the construct is useful because it gives us a new way to understand challenging behaviors, and and a new way to understand our children. And I think um, I don't remember where in the book exactly, but you mention it. I think all over the the, the books is the relational is, and I think yeah. that what you know we we don't want to focus. We focus so much on the behavior and we forget the child. I think that's the uh, yes. one thing you said. And and yeah. what really 
I'm sure all parents, what they want to do is have a good relationship with their kids because when we get to that point, then they would listen. And I've, I, that's, that has been my experience of like, okay, let's, let's work with the, uh, with what's going on, uh, the behavior and kind of got myself to, to learn about all the things that, you know, I could let this go. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's, you know, uh, because we get so much pulled in different directions with, you know, devices, how much you want to, uh, how much they're exposed to internet and social media and all that. And, and my, my thing was with food and eating healthy. So, but I realized with all this, it's the relationship is not, not destroyed, but it's, it's affected negatively because we want to focus on that thing. But once we kind of establish the relationship and establish that green zone together, things falls in place. They, they want to do the right thing. They do have this. There's this dialogue of like, yeah, I'm going to do, you know, I want to make mama happy. I want to make him dad happy. They do have that. And it they, comes they back do. to They want to do well. Yes. I completely believe that they, they do. They want to do well. And it's, it actually, when we think of, when we, you know, what I found in what I write about is that when we, when we give the child the benefit of the doubt, when we, when we believe um, that we can have a very uh, uh, generous view of, of their, of their behaviors and, uh, and uh, believing that their nervous system is, is, that all behaviors are useful in some way rather than this fear of behaviors, or we get, like you said, and again, with so much understanding and compassion, hyper-focused on one thing, like we want to have them eat a certain way or, or um, uh, develop healthy habits. And, and then we're really just focused on that rather than on building that green pathway together it really, um, it's just, it seems to be a more natural way to relate to our children. And I think parents feel a lot of pressure for behavior management and our, our, wor our world does too. Yeah. Um, in a recent um, post on um, social media, you talked about masking. And I think mm. that's a very important um, thing to understand as parents because oh. kids go to school they spend most of their you know day almost seven eight hours a day or you know something they would spend more time interacting with people at school than sometimes with us as parents and you talk about masking and i um like yeah that's something that does happen mm -hmm. uh, and then i uh, can you uh, speak more about that yeah, it's 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 talked a lot um this phenomenon of kind of hiding um or camouflaging your true feelings or inclinations or how you, what you want to say or how you are in the world um hiding or camouflaging that in order to appear like uh, more like everyone around you is known as masking and um 
we we hear about it a lot in um, the neurodivergent community, also communities of autistic children who are given, um, you know, the message that they need to be compliant or fit in and act in a certain way that is neurotypical. But I think that many children, not just neurodivergent children, but I think the range of humans often mask. And that means that you might have a child um, like at school, like say you have a child who um, they come home from school and they just start to cry and tell you about something that happened at school that made them so sad or so kind of anxious. Um, and you'll, you'll hear it and you go, Oh, sweetheart, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry that that happened. And then maybe, uh, that happens over and over again. You'll mention it to the teacher and the teacher might say, they just seem fine to me. I, I didn't notice anything. They're a great student. They're doing, you know, they're doing well. Well, sometimes we don't realize that the, the cost on the inside is invisible to the world because the child is really trying so hard to to be a good student to 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 comply to to please the the teacher and so i really think we should we can we can look at that and wonder what's really going on inside and maybe model for our kids that you know it's okay to ask for help or to be vulnerable or to you know to have a strategy to feel safe when they're not with us, rather than masking how they're really feeling, very jumbled up, like maybe red on the inside, but blue or kind of green looking on the outside. And and that you mentioned that the child who would come and say, oh, this happened to me, but uh, many children, that's been the, my experience, they wouldn't say anything. But what would they do is they will have a snarky kind of a rude reply with like, oh, no, you know, when they come home and yes. home is a safe environment. They don't. Yes, they will all of a sudden lose it at home. Yeah. And, and, and then that becomes even escalated and, and becomes, um, you know, something that it's not pleasant either. So the child, poor child would have an unpleasant uh, experience at school and an unpleasant experience at home. But yes. that comes from us not knowing as parents that, you know, these all, I think these tiny, you know, clues of their kind of not wanting to look at, uh, at you, uh, or they want to go to the room or they want to run to the bathroom or they want to have do something is to understand that that might have, that might be the, their experience. They, they've had, and we, we want to think that children, oh, children, what do they have, you know, to stress them out when they're right. there. But there's a lot of stress that goes on in the school. Yeah. And I know we're getting too uh, close to the end, but I want to, um, I want to speak to a very important thing you talked about in, in, in brain body parenting. And I, I am not sure in, um, beyond behavior is self care and self compassion. And you say, you know, compassion for your history. And that's one of the things that I've also focused on with dealing with parents is like self-care for parents. It's not a luxury. It's, it's not, mm. it's a necessity. If you want to be, you know, a good enough parent, self-care is essential. Mm. So 
if you could talk about that and why do you feel that it's that's important? Uh, yeah, I, I I do. I wrote I, I had a whole chapter in Brain Body Parenting on it. That's how important it is. And when we think about, I have a different view of self care. Self care, like sometimes when we say the word, it sounds like maybe. Um, you know, going to get your nails done or, or going to the gym. And really what, what I think at the, at the foundation of, of what we're talking about in terms of care of the self starts with something that doesn't take any extra time, but takes a mind shift. And that is self-compassion, which is allowing ourselves to know that there is no way, no way in the world to parent perfectly. It's impossible. Because the person that you are with um, is not you. They are a different human and they have different nervous systems. So starting with self-compassion for ourselves on how hard this is and the knowledge that we don't have to get it right all the time because uh, you, it, none of us would have survived if, if perfection was the goal. So all we have to really do is a good enough job, but also we can repair whenever we want. When we make a mistake, we can repair it with our child. So self-compassion is at the core. Um, and then I think this idea of um, self-awareness will allow us to give ourselves what we can practically. So many parents are, are not privileged enough to have um, space and time to maybe if you're feeling a, like really bad and you're feeling red or blue or jumbled up to take a walk, you know, or to call a friend, maybe you can't, maybe you're at work or maybe your, your, your toddler needs you. Um, but to the greatest extent you can in, in the book, I describe things like micro moments, which could take five to 10 seconds of things we can do to reset our nervous system. Um, up to hours of things we can do, like um, making having a standing time where you meet with a dear friend, because social connection is. Uh, we talk about the body budget in the book too. Like so, social connection feeds our body budget as parents, and oftentimes the parenting journey feels very lonely because we are giving out a lot. We're making a lot of deposits in our children. But who's putting deposits into us? And 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 a, a great researcher about parenting, uh, Sunita Luther said, "Who's who's mommying mothers? Like who's mothering you? You know, we all need that rocking, that care, that connection coming into us. So take great care of yourself as much as you can, um, from starting from how you think about yourself, but just this compassionate awareness." of your state and what's going on, that's a good start too. Yeah, micro moments are really important. I think building that up with, you know, uh, listening to uh, um, uh, music, looking at, you know, having flowers, doing, looking up at the sky, jumping up and down for a few minutes. Uh, yes, yeah. having a cold glass of water or, or tea, whatever calms you, yes. Yes. Well, um, Mona, before I leave you, um, what's the learning edge that you're having with parents? Or if there is, what are the new discoveries that you're excited about or want to explore and curious about? Oh, I can tell you the 
the world is of of um how we can use science to better understand ourselves and our children is exploding so i am in a group of um researchers therapists um who are looking at sensory processing so looking at how we process the world through our senses and how we translate that into better parenting that will help our children have better emotional and self-regulation. I'm so excited about that. So stay tuned. We're coming up, we're, 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 we're doing an article about it and I'm going to be trying to talk about it in my, um, you know, in my reels and videos about how we use this new understanding. That's very new science to help us, um, support our children's self-regulation even better. So Really Absolutely. And uh, everyone, you can check your website and your social media on Instagram. You do a lot of nice nuggets of information that is really, really, I find them very useful. And oh, uh, thank you again for, you know, um, yeah, the books and the work that you do. And hopefully we're, or we'll see what comes up again. Um, it's, it's been really, I, I could talk to you for hours, but <laughs> we'll have to end right now. <laughs> Well, I thank you for the work you do in the world to get this information out there for parents. And I can tell what an incredible parent you are. So thanks again and um, be well. Take care.